<laughs> Good morning. Hey, how's everybody doing this morning? That's some funky music in that video right there, isn't it? Um, so uh, it's been 18 months. Well, actually, it's only been about an hour since I last spoke. But prior to the first service, it had been 18 months. So I, I was both excited and uh, a little bit nervous, too. And, but I am just glad I get to talk about something other than giving. Because most Sundays I'm standing up here talking. Don't you all get tired of that? I get tired of talking about it. So I'm glad Pastor Randy did it today. But I need to, if, if you're new here, and um, I, I just need to give you a little heads up. I'm a bit different from Pastor Randy. You know, when Pastor Randy gives a message, he's like working the stage. He's like over here, and he's over there, and he's back and forth, and he's flexing muscles, and then veins are popping when he gets really excited. <laughs> and then I learned last week that Pastor Pete's the same way. He's like working the stage and everything, and then he's over there doing dance moves. You know, I thought for sure he was going to moonwalk in those fancy pants across the stage last week. But he didn't. We'll get him to do that another time. So I'm very different. I stay right here. I, that I stray very, the camera people love it because they basically kind of take a nap. They set the camera, they're good to go. Don't have to really pay attention. Now, also I realized that since it's been uh, a year and a half since I gave a message, many of you may be wondering about my current life situation, those who knew me before. So here's my current life situation. That's my boy. That's Buster, so anyone who's known me for uh, years and years, I usually tend to work a dog into the message somehow, some way. Dogs, there's great like spiritual lessons with dogs, and I've done it many a times just so I can show my dog's pictures on the screen. I have no story, but I still want you to see Buster. So if you're on Facebook, you're like, yeah, we've seen that face enough for sure. So anyhow, last week, Pastor Pete, he talked about our identity. Um, who do you think you are? And he reminded us that we're not to find our identity in our performance. It's not in our position. It's not in our pain. Our identity is found in a person, the one who gave us life and gave his life for us. The one, that's the one who, you know, I am who he says that I am, the Lord Jesus. So we're continuing in this theme of identity today, but we're going to ask a different question today. We're asking the question, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Do you remember when you were a kid being asked the question, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I, I kid you not, when I was really, really young, my answer to that question was, I want to be a gas station attendant. <laughs> so back in the 60s, you weren't allowed to pump your own gas. You, you pulled up and, and your car went over this little uh, rubber hose and that rang a bell for the guy to come out. And then he was wearing this really cool jumpsuit, I thought. And he had a, you know, like a couple rags in his pockets and stuff. And he would fill your car with gas and he would wash your windshields, wipe your windshields. And then he even went and you know, popped the hood and he checked uh, the dipstick, the oil in your car and so forth. I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. So much so that we had this awesome two-car garage that we would just ride our bikes around in a, in a big circle. And I had my little tricycle and I'd ride it around and then I'd pull over to the side and I got one of my dad's, you know, automotive rags and I'd, and I'd pretend like I was like doing my oil. And it was just big dreams for a West Virginia girl, <laughs> big dreams in West Virginia. So I tell you that to say that that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. We are not talking about what you want to be as in your occupation or your career. What we're talking about is what kind of person do you want to become? No matter what your job is, no matter what career you're pursuing, what kind of person 
do you want to become? And you know, I think that's a really, really good question, and I think we would do well to start asking children that early on, because what kind of person I want to become, it's so important because every decision I make in my life forms my character. Every decision I make in my life is forming my character. So we would do well to ask ourselves that question and to start asking others at a young age. Last week, Pastor Pete, he talked about how we find our true identity in Christ, but here's the problem. Often there's this gap, this gap between who God says that I am and who I'm actually becoming. You know, we sing that song, I, I am a child of God, but do I look like a child of God? Am I acting like a child of God? Does the way I live my life reflect that identity? Or is there a gap between those two? Actually, the better question is, how big is the gap? We all have a gap, right? How big is the gap? So I'm wondering, when you think about, you know, who you want to be, what kind of person you want to be, I wonder how many of us, we would think of this, godly. That's the kind of person I want to be, godly. I wonder what our reaction to that is. I mean, for some of us, I, I bet it's kind of like, eh, I'm not so sure. I, I, I mean, it actually kind of sounds a little boring, <laughs> you know? I, I mean, I'd like to be a good person, but, but godly, that kind of sounds super spiritual and like I won't get to have any fun in life, you know? I don't, I don't know if that's very appealing. And then others might be thinking like, man, that's just too high of a goal. You know, Kim, you know, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. I'm so broken. I'm more on the gas station attendant level of dreams, you know. I, I could never. That's just not possible for me. So maybe what we need to do here is let's start with clarifying what it means to be godly. So the Apostle Paul, speaking to the believers in the city of Ephesus, he explains it to them this way. We must become like a mature person. We must grow until we become like Christ and have all of his perfection, like Christ. And then to the believers in Rome, he said this. He says, for from the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him should become like his son. You see, to be godly, is just to be like God. To be godly is to be like God. And God's plan from the very beginning, it has always been that for those who return to him and trust, that he would begin this process in us, this process of growing us and changing us and maturing us so that his image in us would, would once again be restored and that we would be just like Christ in our character. Just like Christ in the way we think. Just like Christ in the way we act, in the way we talk in the way we live, God-like, godly. There's a great uh, quote that I have held on to for years and years and years. I've shared it in many messages, but it's just so good. It's by an author named Max Anders, and the book is called The New Christian Handbook. We actually make it available in our store. And he says this, he says, our unique identity God wants to preserve, but the results of sin he wants to rid, of, rid us of, it's then, it's then, that we discover our real selves. Well, what's my real self? Our Christ-like selves. You see, God doesn't want to throw away what he started with uh, when he made you and when he made me. He still wants you to be you. He still wants me to be me. 
but who we were each created to be. It's gotten lost, it's gotten buried, and it's gotten distorted because of sin. So his desire and his plan is to rid us of sin altogether and to rid us of those results of sin so that we can discover our truest selves, the self that bears his image, beautiful and perfect in character, just like Christ. Now I wonder if we can just press the pause button for a moment and let's let, just let this sink in, what we're actually saying. Because I think we talk about, oh yeah, be like Christ, be like Christ, be a good person or something, but let's let this sink in. Okay, if we're like Christ, then there is not a hint of shame or guilt dwelling inside of us, not even a hint. There's no more fear, there's no more insecurity in us, there's no even a hint of anger, of bitterness, of resentment, of jealousy or envy. There's no hint of dishonesty or, or any kind of manipulative behavior. There's no greed, there's no pride, there's no arrogance. There's absolutely no immoral thoughts of any kind, no immoral actions. There's no more of these bad habits we have that control us and consume us, they're gone. And instead, we're people who are filled up with what the Bible calls the fruits of the Spirit, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. We're full of love, and we're full of joy and peace. We are these people who are so patient. We are so kind. We're so good. We're so gentle. We're faithful. And we have self-control. We wake up every day so filled with love and compassion for people that, that we just, there's never any bit of a selfish thought or motive in us. We are just always devoted to the highest well-being of others. And we wake up every day completely devoted to the will of God. We're living God just like this with him, step in step, loving and trusting him so completely that we cannot wait to see what he has planned for us this day. Does that appeal to you? I mean, what's, what's happening in your heart right now when you hear that description? Is your heart, is it just gripping your heart and you're like, oh, yes, that's what I want? Or is your heart a bit hard and it doesn't even sound appealing? You see, do you, do you and I see the beauty in this and we want it for ourselves is the question. Because if we don't see the absolute beauty of Christ's character, then we will never, ever desire it for ourselves, and we certainly won't pursue it for ourselves. Pastor Randy has often said it this way. He says, you've got to like God if you want to be like God. Right? We'll never be like God if we don't like God. And as crazy as it seems, there are people who attend church Sunday in and Sunday out who don't really like God. You know, they're just doing some kind of a religious duty, a religious activity. Pastor Randy will often say they just want to do an activity that they think will get God off their back and on their side. They want the blessing of God, but not God himself. So if we don't see the beauty in Christ's character, we will never want it or pursue it for ourselves. And this is just as equally important. You see, just as we need to be able to see the beauty of Christ's character and find that appealing, we also need to be able to see the ugliness of sin and be convinced, be convinced of its ugliness. 
Like Max Anders says, he says it's sin and all the consequences of sin that God wants to rid us of and he needs to rid us of if we're ever gonna discover our true Christ-like self. Sin is just simply, it's, it's anything that I do, any choice I make, any, any thought I have, any action I take, a behavior that is contradictory to the beautiful way that God has designed me. And that's why sin is so ugly. Sin erodes the quality of my life. It contaminates the quality of my character. And folks, it's poison to my soul. Poison to my soul, to my true identity. It causes me to become something other than who it is that he created me to be. And that's why this is so, so important that we, we really get this, folks. I don't just need forgiveness for my sins. I need freedom from sin. I mean, forgiveness is important, yes, please, God, I want your forgiveness, but man, if it stops there, I'm never gonna change. I'm just gonna, like, hey, I'm forgiven, so let me just keep on sinning. Let me fill up that sin bucket because I get forgiveness every time. No, this is what we need, freedom from sin. On this July 4th, we celebrate our freedom, and it is a wonderful, wonderful thing, but if you and I are not free from sin, then folks, we are not truly free at all, no matter what country we live in. While on earth, Jesus often said to people, he, he, he would you know, perform his miracles and heal people, and he would say to them, your sins are forgiven, as he healed them. Well, they weren't asking for sins to be forgiven. They were coming because I'm paralyzed or I'm blind, you know, but he would say your sins are forgiven without them even asking. Folks, we are forgiven, but this promise of forgiveness, it isn't given so that we can keep on sinning. Forgiveness, it's meant to move us. You know, I'm secure now in my relationship with God. He forgives me, he loves me, so now it can move me. It can move me closer to God in his beautiful, good ways, and it's meant to move me away from sin and all its ugliness and its destruction and its consequences. Do you know what I think um, would be kind of a surefire way for people to stop sinning? Or at least sin a lot less, I think. I'm convinced of this. I think if we want to be free from sin, then we've got to stop following our feelings. You know, we got plenty of people in our lives today, even, even our Christian friends, who will at times say, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. In other words, follow your feelings. Let them guide you. Folks, that is terrible advice. Don't ever say that to anyone, ever. And here's why. The prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament, he tells us this. The heart is, what? Deceitful. Above all things. Who can understand it? We don't understand our own hearts. Our hearts are not meant to be followed. Our hearts are meant to be led. We need to lead our hearts. And uh, back to the Ephesians again, the Ephesian believers, the apostle Paul says it this way. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Well, why, what's wrong with my old self? It is being corrupted, corrupted, man, how's it being corrupted? By its deceitful desires. Our feelings, folks, our feelings will deceive us when they are not aligned with God and his good ways. They lead us away from God and who he created us to be. And it's not that our feelings are bad, our feelings are, are a wonderful gift from God, but we need to manage our feelings 
and not allow them to be our masters. And that's why this is so important. We need to nail this one down. My feelings will never lead me to my identity. Never. They're going to move me away from it every time. My feelings will never lead me to my identity. Tuck that one away. So if your answer to the question, who do you want to be? If your answer like mine is, I want to be a mature human being who is beautiful just like Christ. Then the next obvious question is, well, how? How do I grow up? How does that happen? Well, let's talk about a couple approaches uh, first that don't work. Okay, so one approach some people use to this idea of growing and becoming godly, it's found in Second Imaginations, chapter 1, <laughs> verse 3. And if you happen to be wondering why people are chuckling, it's because that's not in the Bible. Kind of sounds like it, though, done in Second Imaginations. And, and, and Second Imaginations, again, what sometimes our friends want to say, let go and let God. That's all I have to do. I just have to say the prayer. God, have your way in me. Change me, Jesus. And then, man, it's just all up to you. Make me patient, God. Make me kind. Make me not so angry all the time, you know? And, and there, this is a real verse in the Bible now. 2 Corinthians 3.18, the Apostle Paul, he said, as the spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him. So that sounds a little bit like let go and let God, doesn't it? As it's the spirit that's working within me and he's gonna uh, make me you know, more and more like him. Sounds a little bit like let go and let God, but, but we're gonna see as, as we go on, that's not how God works. You know, the spirit of the Lord within is, is at work within us, but it's as we, as we put forth effort and we cooperate with him. So that leads us then to our second approach, since we need to put forth effort, sometimes the approach is this. We try. We try. I, I'm going to try real hard to be like Jesus. And then when that doesn't work, I'm going to try harder because that was the problem. I just didn't try hard enough. I'm going to try to be more patient. You know, I'm going to try to be more compassionate. I'm going to try not to cuss so much. Trying to grow and mature, it just never works if that's all we're doing is trying. And not only does it not work, it can also have a negative impact on us. And that's because trying, it sends us into this really bad cycle that I think a lot of us are probably familiar with. The cycle goes like this. I try, but at some point I fail. And fail, the natural response we experience tends to be guilt. We feel bad. And guilt will always create separation between us and God. Let me give you just like a really simplistic kind of example here. Okay, this is just simple, but gives you the idea. I'm gonna try not to get angry at that person that's doing that thing that drives me crazy. Okay, every time they do that thing, it just drives me crazy and I respond in anger. So I'm gonna try not to get angry because I don't think it's, it's, it's good. So I, I, that person does that thing again and I try really hard, I'm not gonna get angry, I'm not gonna get Bam, I fail. I can't handle it. I get angry. I blow up. I fail. So that failure now, it produces this feeling of guilt in me. Man, what is wrong with me? Why do I keep doing this? I'm a mess. And if it's not quickly dealt with and processed, then my guilt leads to separation. It separates me from God because I just feel like I've let him down again. 
He's, he's so disappointed in me. Sometimes we even feel like, oh, he's, he's disgusted with me by this point. Same thing over and over. He's just, he's done with me. And then it even separates me from myself because I give up on being the person that God has created me to be. I'm like, it's, it's never gonna happen. Pfft, forget it. Sometimes the separation, it's a short time kind of thing. Sometimes it's a really long time kind of thing. Before we decide that, okay, I'm gonna try again now. I'm gonna try again. I kind of muster up this spiritual energy. I'm gonna try it again, only to once again fail and then experience guilt and separation again. So you see this trying to grow approach it makes our walk with Christ like this. It's just, it's just a roller coaster ride. You know, we're up and we're down and we're up and we're down. And we tend to sort of live in this all or nothing kind of relationship where it's like we go through this season where, man, we are all in, we are on fire, we are doing everything we possibly can to learn and grow and, you know, spiritual things. But then it's followed by these seasons where, man, we just disappear altogether, disappear from church, from the body, we start becoming a very different person, living a very different kind of life. I just wonder, I just wonder how many out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And that's why there's a much, much better approach given to us in the scriptures again by the apostle Paul in his very fatherly letter to the young leader, Timothy. He wrote these powerful words. He says, train yourself to be godly. Don't, don't try to be godly. Train yourself. You see, growing and becoming a mature human being, it, it requires training, not trying. So think about it. If you were going to go run a marathon, if you decided you wanted to run a marathon, would you try to run a marathon? Would you just get up in the morning, put on your shoes, and say, I think I'm going to go try to run a marathon today. That's, it's just crazy, right? We just know how silly that is. The process of growing and becoming a mature human being it is not a sprint, folks. It's a marathon. So we need to enter into some training. Some training. So how do we do that? How do, I mean, we know a lot about training our physical bodies, right? There's exercise involved and diet, and we know how to create a plan. But how do I train my soul so that the person God says I am is the actual person that I'm becoming? Well, I think at this point we need a commercial break. <laughs> Literally. Okay, listen up. Selling our place, buying this place. Thoughts? Negative me. No. Shouldn't have started with you. Spontaneous me. Already ordering drapes. Paranoid me. Why are you asking me? Antisocial me! Wow, I'm rude. Uh, lazy me? Lazy, lazy me. me! We gotta sell our place, sort out finances? Uh, uh, stressed me. Uh, wow, okay. Uh, does anybody have anything helpful, helpful me? Hi, um, we don't need to stress about lining it all up. Zillow can help with that. And that's why you're my favorite me. I thought I was your favorite me. Oh, you totally are, gullible me. <laughs> me. 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 Do you say something to me? I didn't say anything. Huh. Me. Me. I didn't say anything. That commercial cracked me up the first time I saw it. And then I was like, that commercial makes a powerful point. 
I mean, think about it. We all have these different aspects of ourselves, aspects of our character that we turn to when we're making a decision. I mean, I got a decision to make. I can go to my lazy self with answering the, you know, making the decision, the choice. I can go to my negative self. I can go to my helpful self. Which one am I going to go to when I have a decision to make? But here's the really powerful part. With every decision we make, we are developing some aspect of our character. You see, I, I can make decisions every day that develop and grow my lazy self. That is so easy to do. I can make decisions every day that grow and develop my negative self or my stressed out self. Or I can make decisions that develop and grow my Christ-like self. Here's the thing. Every decision develops my character. That means I hold all the power. You hold all the power. Every decision you make develops your character. You see, folks, character is not a, a static thing. Sometimes I think we just see ourselves as this is my character, this is who I am, and no, it is changing all the time. We are changing all the time. We are either developing and becoming more like Christ, or we are like the food in our refrigerators on this decline and moving toward rotten. Got a lot of that in my refrigerator right now. It needs cleaned up. The direction our, our character is changing is determined by the choices we are making. All the big choices and all the little ones. All day, every day, all throughout our lives. Listen how a great writer and, and theologian C.S. Lewis, he says it. This is a long quote, but it is so good. He says, every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses into something a little different than it was before. Every choice, a little different. And taking your life as a whole with all your innumerable choices, all your life long, you are slowly turning this central thing either into a heavenly creature or hellish, hellish creature. Either into a creature that is in harmony with God and with other creatures and with itself or else one that is in a state of war and hatred with God and with its fellow creatures and with itself. To be the one kind of creature, that's heaven. That is, it is joy and it's peace and it's knowledge and it's power, but be, to be the other, it means madness, it means horror, idiocy, rage, impotence, and eternal loneliness. Each of us, at each moment, is progressing. We are not static, we are progressing to the one state or the other. The decisions we make in life, they don't just affect our lives outwardly, folks. They are changing us inwardly, forming us inwardly, forming our character one decision at a time. So with all that in mind, then, how do we train? I mean, all that just kind of lays the foundation. So how, how do we train? What is the training regimen we go through? Well, um, I've, I'm going to share some real practical things right now, but I've got two things to tell you about it. One is that each one of these could be a whole message in themselves. So I'm going to mention something. We're just going to touch on it and go, but every single one of them could be so thoroughly developed, but we just obviously don't have time for that. The second thing is that they all begin with the letter P. And the reason they do is because last week, Pastor Pete's points all began with a letter P. 
And he told me that important people start all their points with the same letter, and, and he thinks P is the best. Pastor Pete thinks P is the best letter. And so I just thought it was pertinent that I also start all mine with a P. So here we go. <laughs> First thing we need is pray for revelation. You know, King David in the Bible, in the Old Testament, King of Israel, he was a man who God said, this man is after my own heart. He is a man after my heart. God said, can, can you imagine? I mean, would you like to be known by God as a person that's after his own heart? Would, um, King David said this in the Psalms. He said, search me, search me, God. Know my heart, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. King David just wanted so much to be the man that God created him to be, and it wrecked him. It absolutely wrecked him when he sinned. He knew the ugliness of sin, and he knew the anguish of the consequences of sin. So he just pleaded with God, please show me. Show me where I need correction. Heal me, God. Show me where I need healing so that I'm not just forgiven for my sin, but so that I can be set free. I can be free from sin. And then I can be the man that you created me to be, God. That was, that was his heart. So is that our heart? I mean, are we willing to pray that kind of a prayer? God, show me. But you know, when I think about it, I don't really think we need to pray that prayer. <laughs> That's maybe, let's forget that. You know why? Because I think we already know. I think as we're each sitting out there, there's probably something that's popped in our minds. And we know it. We know what's in us, things that we're doing that offend God. But we've been making excuses. We've been minimizing. We've been rationalizing. We've been justifying. But we don't need to pray for God to show us what that is, do we? So the question is, what are, what are we gonna do? I mean, we're in one of these moments when the Spirit of God is upon us. He's trying to reach us, to communicate to us, to talk us, to move us. So what are we gonna do today? What are we gonna do? We'll talk about the second thing. The second P is this, private time with God. You see, I'll never be like God if I don't like God, and I'll never be like God if I don't like being with God as well. The way we spend private time with God is just, it's the basics of the Christian faith, our walk, prayer, and reading God's word, reading the Bible. But, but it's, not, it's not just about reading it, folks. I mean, if you and I read the Bible every single day, it won't do us one bit of good if we are not meeting with the creator of the universe in that time. You see, it's all meant to be this dynamic experience between us and God as we take in his word. It's, it's the God of the universe communicating with us, fellowshipping with us, teaching us. If it's not that for us, then folks, decades could go. And we are, we are still people just riddled with insecurity and jealousy and bitterness and anger issues and whatever else. 
2 Timothy, the, the apostle Paul says is, he says, God has transmitted his very substance into every scripture for it is God breathed. It is God himself, a person meeting us in the scriptures. It will empower you by its instruction and correction, give you strength to take the right direction and then it's gonna lead you deeper where? Deeper into the path of godliness. What a promise that is, the path of godliness. Third thing is this. Next P is personal effort. You see, as we said early, the spirit of the Lord, he is working in me to change me, but he's only gonna work to the degree that I'm cooperating with him, that I'm myself also putting forth some effort. It's a team approach. And here's what that effort looks like. The apostle Paul, once again to the Ephesians, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. We already read that. So I need to put that off, but but there's more to it. That's only part of the, the plan. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness, God-like. I call this um, spiritual replacement therapy. You know, for everything bad that I put off, that, that's only half of the process. If I stay there, I've, I've not grown, I've not developed my Christ-like character. There's something good that I need to put on in its place, something good, something righteous that I gotta put on, something that develops me to be more like Jesus. So like one of the examples it gives in this particular chapter, it says, put off unwholesome talk. Well, if I just did that and didn't put anything on its place, then I just would stop talking, right? So I gotta put on words that build up and are helpful for people. Put on, put off. The fourth thing we need to do in our training is providential relationships. That, that big word that just means uh, God-given. And, and this week when I was reading, I read it this way. I thought that was so cool. Put there on purpose relationships. You see, God has put people in our lives on purpose to help us grow and mature. That's their job. And they may help us grow and uh, uh, mature by teaching us. They may help us by correcting us. They may help us by modeling us, modeling for us. They, they may help us by just annoying us. You know what I'm saying? Those difficult people in our lives will help us grow mature because we'll learn how to be patient and, and we learn how to be gentle and forgiving, forbearing. We need people to help us grow. And along with, you know, friends and family, coworkers, folks, we need our church family. We need these put there on purpose relationship. Everybody here together is a put there on purpose relationship for us. Look what Hebrews 10 says. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. You know, we, we were forced through the COVID pandemic or whatever, but now it's time we gotta get back. We gotta be together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently now, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning, the day when Jesus returns. Put there on purpose relationships. Folks, it is so important that we connect with people right here in our church community. You know why? Because then we're surrounding ourselves. We can be with people who like God and wanna be like God just like we do. And that is so, so very important. Be with people who like God and wanna be like him too, just like you. So finally, finally, we're not gonna like the last P. The last one is this painful circumstances. 
difficult circumstances, struggles, pain, it changes us. Absolutely, no doubt, we do not go through pain and struggle without being changed. And as we all know, we've heard this one throughout life, probably it'll either make us bitter or better, right? Stronger or weaker. It all depends on how we choose to interpret our circumstances and then the decisions that we make during those difficult times. And that's why James, the half-brother of Jesus, he says this. He says, consider pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Why, why would I look at that in a positive way? Because you know that the testing of your faith, it develops you. It develops perseverance in you. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be what? Mature and complete. Godly, like God, like Christ. The person we were all meant to be bearing his image. Now, as Pastor Pete said last week, it is so important, folks. Our identity is not in our pain. We can never, ever allow pain to define us, but what we can allow is for God to use our pain as training so that we will grow. He can mature us and make us more like his son, Jesus. So let's put all our peas together, okay? Just so we can see him. Pray for revelation, private time with God, personal effort, put on and put off. Put there on purpose relationships and painful circumstances. And like I said, so obvious, every single one of these could be a message in themselves, but I wanted to get them out there for us to like see them all together. That's our training. That's our training ground. Now we talked earlier about marathons, that you don't try to run a marathon, you train to run a marathon, right? But along with a plan for training, you need something else. If you're gonna train to run a marathon, you need a really good pair of shoes. You need good shoes to support you or else you're in big trouble, right, right? Well, likewise, God has provided us with the support that we need as we go through our training, as we train ourselves to be godly. And the support comes in the form of three really big promises, three big promises. Folks, I believe that if we hold tight to these, we will surely grow and mature into the people that God created us to be as we're training. So let's look at these three big promises. Romans, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? In the psalmist, he says it real clear here, this I know that God is for me. I wonder who has a hard time with that. If you're honest, you're like, I, I don't, you know, I'm trying to do that. I just don't feel that God's for me. I've been there. It's a terrible feeling and it's, it's a lie that he's not. It's an absolute lie. You know, we can have these things happen in our lives and we're looking at our circumstances and it's confusing. And I said, we're interpreting them wrong. Somehow, if I'm going through this pain, then that means God isn't for me, he's against me. And that's just not true. He is always, always for us. So I want you to shout it out. I'm gonna say it and then I want you to repeat it after me, all right? God is for me. Good job, church. Jesus' last words, some of his last words to his followers just before he ascended back to heaven after his resurrection were this. He told them, he reminded them, like, he's like, nail this down, guys. I am with you. I'm, I'm leaving, but I'm still with you. I'm with you always to the very end of this age until I return, my second coming. 
Folks, throughout the scriptures, God just seems to labor to tell his people, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. You're never alone. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am right here with you and I will strengthen you, he says so many times. I am with you. That's a promise for us to hold on to as we're training. Promise number two, God is with me. Can you say it for me? Thank you. And then last, there's a verse in Philippians from the Apostle Paul again. I, this is one of the first verses that I like just, it hit, penetrated my heart when I read it as a very brand new Christian. And I've just held on to it. I love what it says. I am sure that God who began the good work in you, he will keep on working in you until the day Jesus Christ comes again. He will keep on working. For me, I find so much comfort in that. And just knowing that no matter what, even when I've blown it, even when I've just really messed up and I feel like such a mess, God never gives up on me. I might give up on myself, but he never ever gives up on me. Pastor Randy, a long time ago in a message, I mean, over, like 20 years ago, he, he said this phrase, he's talked about the eternal perseverance of God. And that again, stuck with me like it did with this verse. God will keep on working in me until I'm all grown up to be like Jesus Never, ever. Promise number three, God will never give up on me. Never. Can you repeat it after me? God will never give up on me. Yeah. These promises of God, these are what will provide us the support that we need as we train ourselves to be godly. So as we kind of close out here, what I want to do is I want to introduce you to someone that's right here, a member of our church family. Her name is Nina. You may have seen her when you came in service. If you came in these doors, she handed you the program. And this is Nina's story. Nina grew up uh, Jewish. She grew up in a Jewish home, a Jewish family. So she believed in God, but she didn't know about this Jesus fella because all she had known about Jesus was the statues she had seen, these statues of just some holy man. And so she, that's all the more she knew, some kind of holy figure. Her belief in God was disrupted though as an adult when her dad died unexpectedly. And she says she basically became angry at God. She was very mad. Um, it was just so unnecessary, you know? Why, why? And then she even wondered, is God punishing me? Is somehow her death, her dad's death, God punishing her? So a few years ago, she joined a gym here in Frederick called PFP. And it's a gym folks like no other because the owner is a Christian and he is out loud with his faith. And uh, he combines his faith and his business. They are intertwined. He is a man who cares as much about a person's spiritual health and well-being as he does their physical well-being. So at this gym, somebody invited Nina to, to a Bible study. And I don't mean like a person invited her outside. At the gym was the Bible study. So they, they, there was a person who worked there and said, Nina, would you like to join us in this Bible study? Because they care about people's spiritual health. So she joined the group and, and she said, I really wasn't that interested in what they were talking about and everything. But what I liked was the friendships, you know, the people. But one time she made herself vulnerable and she told the group about how she actually felt about God, about how angry she was at God because of her dad's death. So her group did the coolest thing. They encouraged her to write a letter, to write a letter to God. Tell him exactly how you feel, Nina, just tell him. And she did it. 
She said the tears came down and the wall came down too. That wall she had built up between her and her creator God. But she still wasn't sure about this Jesus guy. So then someone from the Bible study at the gym invited her to FCF. And she said the moment she stepped into this church, very first day, very first moment, she just felt, said she felt so much warmth. The love of the body of Christ, right? She could just feel it. I think it felt like home to her. She said the music and the message and the people, she, she was just hooked. That was it. But she still wasn't sure about this Jesus fella, you know? So she had questions, and, and she met personally with Pastor Randy, and they talked about the Bible and so forth. And, and so um, he, he made a recommendation. He says, I want you to read the Gospel of Mark. So Nina said, okay. That's what he told me. So she read the Gospel of Mark. In her words, she said she fell in love with Jesus. Jesus, her creator, her God, fell in love with him. She fell in love with him because he was exactly the kind of person she wants to be. You know, the gospels revealed that he's so loving and so kind and so gentle and so humble and so fair and so good and so forgiving. And she just wanted to keep learning more and more. She said she read the rest of the gospels. He was beautiful. She wants to be like him. So over the last two years, Nina's taken advantage of every growth opportunity that comes her way. She's taken our Bible basics class that teaches you all about the Bible. She took our discipleship training program. She's been in growth groups. She serves. She meets with God regularly in scripture and she reads and studies his word. And I loved what Nina said. We talked Friday evening as she shared her story with me. She says, everything Christ-like brings me the greatest joy. Everything Christ-like brings me the greatest joy. I love Nina's story because it all revolves around one simple little thing. When she met God in the scriptures, she liked him. She didn't just like him, she fell in love with Jesus. She saw the beauty of his character and she wants to be like him. It's a beautiful story. So let's think about things here. I've, I've shared a lot with you, right? A lot of things. And Pastor Randy's always told me, whenever you communicate a message, you got to ask the question, you know, as people leave, what do you want them to do? You know, what, what action step? What do you want them to do? And there's a lot I want you to do. <laughs> I shared a lot, right? So if I were to nail it down so you can, you know, think as you leave what action steps I'd love for all of us to take, I, I came up with three things. It should really just be one, but I couldn't. There's three. So one, um, I hope you'll ponder the peas and make them personal. More peas, right, Pastor Pete? Seriously, they're on, the, on your program, on your outline. And like I said, every one of those, it could be a whole message. So I hope you'll take a moment and you'll go back through those with God in prayer and just ask him to show you what steps personally he would have you take at those times. The other thing is I hope that for all of us that we have now this over-sensitive spirit to our decisions. And I just pray that the Holy Spirit, every time a decision each day comes up, that we'll be super sensitized to whatever, however I respond in this moment, the decision I make, it's gonna develop my character in one direction or the other. 
and which one do I want it to be? So I hope we are just on high alert from this day forward. The other thing, it's very practical. I hope like Nina, we will all go read the gospel of Mark. Whether it's for the first time or the hundredth time, I hope each one of us, let's just take a chapter a day. So it'll take us a couple weeks. We'll take it slowly. But in it, that we will meet Jesus and we will see with fresh eyes the absolute beauty of his character. And as a result of that process, we'll say, who do I want to be? I want to be just like him. That's who I want to be. That's who I want to be. Church, will you stand with us as we close out? We're going to talk and sing about our identity once again. Our identity is in a person, the person who gave us life and then gave his life for us. And how I pray as we sing that we'll know God is for us, God is with us, God will never give up on us, and we can be just like him. Amen.